Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. A delegation of inspectors from the International Atomic Energy Agency is on its way to the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant in southern Ukraine today. It is the largest nuclear power plant in all of Europe, and it's right on the front line, right in the middle of fighting and shelling right now. Some experts fear the plant could melt down in a way similar to what happened in Fukushima, Japan, over a decade ago. But what would a nuclear crisis like Fukushima look like in a war zone? Well, NPR's Kat Lonsdorf has spent time in both Fukushima and Ukraine and joins us now to discuss the risks. Hi, Kat. Hey, Elsa. Hey. Okay, so can we just start in Fukushima? Because you were there right before the pandemic started, touring villages that are still mostly empty 10 years out or more than 10 years out. What is it like there right now? Yeah, so one thing is that there are all of these bags of radioactive topsoil everywhere, just piles and piles of them. Cleanup crews basically have to scrape away all the topsoil because that's where the radioactive material settles. You know, recovery generally in that area has been really, really hard, really expensive. It was a big rice farming area, but that's mostly gone around the plant. So there's not really an economy anymore. And why do experts keep talking about Fukushima as a comparison to the Zaporizhia plant, as opposed to, say, like, what happened at Chernobyl? Yeah, so a lot of people think of Chernobyl when they think of nuclear disaster, which is also in Ukraine. But that disaster happened because of design flaws and human errors. Fukushima is a better comparison. It wasn't a war zone, but it was in a major disaster zone after a massive tsunami hit it, after an earthquake. And workers had a lot of trouble getting into the plant. That's true at Zaporizhia. Fukushima lost power, and the backup generators were also out. That's what caused the meltdowns. Zaporizhia lost power briefly last week. Now, fortunately, its generators switched on. And I should say something that's nice in all of this is that some of the safety systems that are new at Zaporizhia came in response to what happened at Fukushima. I spoke with Elena Perenyuk. She's a senior researcher in the Institute for Safety Problems of Nuclear Power Plants at the National Academy of Sciences of Ukraine. And she's also spent a bunch of time in Fukushima studying the disaster there. Here's what she told me with a little bit of dark humor. We keep laughing that right now all of the reactors in Ukraine, they're tsunami proof, but it is impossible to predict the missile. There's just no way they could have put enough safeguards in for war. Right. Well, if a meltdown does occur at Zaporizhia, it might look like something akin to Fukushima. But what could be different in this case? Containing it would be a huge problem. In Fukushima, it took weeks with an international effort to stabilize the plant, and that's just not possible in this war right now. Zaporizhia is, again, right on the front line, technically in Russian control. So it's not clear, like, how experts or emergency staff could get there to help even if they wanted to. Elena Pernyuk and I were playing out that terrible scenario, and she was like, look, I'm a professional. I know the risks of radiation, but would I be willing to take the risks of entering the front line in an area controlled by Russia? And she wasn't so sure. Of course, as a professional, I must. But then my husband is serving in the army, so I'm the only caregiver to my son. So I would like to live 
a little bit more. Dire choices. Well, if a nuclear disaster does happen, can you just give us an idea of what the long-term consequences could be, given what we've seen in Fukushima? Well, there has been an uptick in cancer rates in the area in Fukushima, but it's really, really hard to prove whether cancer comes directly from an accident like this or not. But the real threat here might be economic. Like Fukushima, Zaporizhia is right in the middle of some of Ukraine's most fertile land. So imagine that soil being contaminated. We've been hearing a lot about these Ukrainian grain shipments that the rest of the world is depending on. This is the land where a lot of that grain comes from. But I should say that all of it is theoretical. The IAEA is trying to inspect the plant right now, this week, and it's really in everyone's best interest to make sure something like this does not happen. That is NPR's Kat Lonsdorf. Thank you, Kat. Thank you. On this week's Wild Card, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction. Definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all. At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation. Drake and Kendrick Lamar have been lobbing some serious accusations at each other. You've probably heard the diss tracks and wondered, what's just a low blow and what's actually criminal? I'm Brittany Luce, host of It's Been a Minute from NPR, and I'm getting into what's art and what's worthy of criminal investigation and who those accusations hurt the most on It's Been a Minute from NPR. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR.